Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. Back in 2016, my friends and I for the longest time had been itching to go camping to our local camping site in the Low Padres National Park in Southern California. When we found the perfect weekend to go that didn't interfere with any of our work schedules, we set the date. Three days before the trip, we found out that we were going to get hit by the El Nino rainstorm. Us, being the type of dudes that we are though, didn't care if we got hit by the storm while camping. So we packed up our cars and made the 45 minute drive to the campsite. The campsite was a family friendly one where there were about 100 camping lots that circled around the clearing in the forest. We found the perfect spot that was underneath huge thick trees that should help block out as much rain as possible and it helped out that the restrooms were only like 30 yards away too. Now, as soon as we got to our spot, we took advantage of the afternoon sky being cleared for the moment, and we rushed to set up our spot. The layout that we did was that we pitched our tents close by, where our tent doors were only 6 feet apart. The reason why we did this too is because, in order to combat the rain, I bought a 30 foot by 30 foot thick blue canopy tub that I threw over to cover us from the rain above, and from the rain that would be running through the ground as well. In hindsight, it was a genius move on my part. But what this meant is that, whenever you walked around the tent, you would be making heaps of noise from crunching through the plastic tub. Anyway, hours passed and we're all around the campfire. It was late in the evening and this was the first time that I noticed that there were barely any other campers. They were mainly camping in their RVs like the fake campers that they seemed to be. In honest opinion too, they were the smart ones really. Unlike my friends and I that were sleeping in two small tents with our only protection being the blue tarp. I was getting tired from a long day at work though and I decided that I was going off to knock out. My friends followed my lead as well because they were getting pretty tired too. The way that the sleeping arrangements were was that I had my friend Ray sleeping in my tent and AJ and S were sleeping in theirs. Before I called it a night though, I whispered to Ray and told him I'm going to prank call S and AJ but I'm not going to say anything. Ray smiled as I dialed my friends up. 
I called them unrestricted and S's phone started to ring off. Both of them, being the way that they are, got timid very easily and they said to one another, who's calling you this late at night? I don't know, they called me unrestricted. Are you going to answer? Of course not. Ray and I were holding our laughter as they ignored our call. I decided to do it one more time too. Once their phones started to ring, they started to freak out once again and they said, who is it this time? Same person, I think. I'm going to answer. And as they did answer, S said in a very shaky tone, hello. Ray and I had to hold in our laughter as we kept as quiet as possible, but not wanting to make any noises that would give off that it was actually us. I held the phone close to my mouth as I began to breathe heavily in a sort of murderous way. I ended the call and just hearing them freak out the way that they did was making my night much more fun. Me being the idiot that I am, I called them one more time, and this time S picked up the phone immediately and said in a tough voice, Look, whoever this is, they better stop. I'm about to call the cops if you keep on calling. This is not a threat. Ray and I looked at each other as we, at the same time, began to fake moan as loud and immediately started to bawl out in laughter. AJ and S were so mad at us for pulling this prank on us, and they were cursing us out. We, finally calming down from laughing so loudly, eventually told the boys. I told them good night, and I told them that I'd make up for it by making them pancakes and have it ready in the morning. Since I fell asleep relatively easily too, I was out in a matter of minutes, while Ray, AJ and S were up for a while longer. I was the first of the friends to wake up in the morning, and as I promised, I had the pancakes ready cooking by the time that anybody else woke up. The smell of my cooking woke my friends up and one by one they got out of their tents. As we were eating, AJ spoke up and said, Hey Jay, that prank that you pulled last night went a little too far. Yeah, you had us ready to run out to the car and take off. Me, feeling a bit guilty, apologized and said, Sorry guys, my bad. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to prank call us like that, but then to walk around our tent and then go inside it in the middle of the night is totally out of limits, S said. Me, not knowing what they were talking about now, said, what do you guys mean? Oh, come on, still with the jokes? You were the one that was walking around our tent and you walked in. Ray spoke up and said, that wasn't Jay who was walking around. I thought that that was you two getting your revenge on us for scaring you. That wasn't us doing that, it was you two. So to explain, after I fell asleep... About maybe an hour had passed where Ray, S and AJ were still up and all was quiet in the forest until the sounds of footsteps were heard stepping on our blue tarp that was on the ground. At first my friends thought that it could have just been a forest animal wandering around but the heavy footsteps were a dead giveaway that it was a person. As they described the person was walking all around our tents making constant figure eight sort of the person would place their fingers on the tent's fabric walls to run them up and down. The footsteps finally stopped after a couple of minutes, right in between our tent doors. The three of them were already having their hearts pounding out of their chest. It was silent for a long time, until the sound of the tent's zipper slid open. As AJ says, the tent's door was only sort of halfway open, but it was too dark to see anything clearly. But in the darkness... Both S and AJ saw the silhouette of a man's face pop his head into the tent to look at both of them. AJ and S faked being asleep the entire time, but they kept their eyes locked onto the man. The man then opened the tent fully and walked inside the tent, just standing at the entrance. 
The man didn't say a word or do anything, just sort of watched the both of them laying in their sleeping bags. After a long minute, the man just took his steps out of the tent and his footsteps were heard walking away, disappearing into the night. The entire time that this was happening, S and AJ thought that it was either me or Ray doing this, and Ray thought it was either AJ or S doing this. Back to us arguing back and forth at the breakfast table, we were interrupted by a man walking to our campsite and he said, Good morning boys, how did the four of you sleep last night? This man spoke in a smoker's voice too as if he'd been going at it for like 45 years of being alive. He wore a dirty, sweat-stained white t-shirt that looked more grey at this point, and his blue jeans looked like they'd never been taken off. He smelt like liquor, not a good sign at 8 in the morning, mind you, and his words were just sort of mumbling around. We didn't say a word to this guy as he then asked us if we had any cigarettes to spare him. I said that we didn't smoke and he said, Oh, well, if you boys want to visit me in my RV, just stop by any time. The man continued to walk away towards the restrooms, and as he was done using it, he walked back to our campsite again. He didn't say anything this time, but he looked at us and gave us a nearly toothless smile, and then he just walked back to his RV. I took note of his RV as it was the only RV that was stuck out as being dirty and more run down than the others, but we quickly summed up the man as the person who was walking around our tents last night, and S and AJ now remembered that they also smelt liquor from the person who was standing in their tent. We all agreed that we would keep an extra eye out on this guy, and if he did spend another night that we would most likely report him to the park rangers if he tried anything else. It was around lunchtime now and the man came back, not to use the restroom but just to talk to us. So are any of you boys interested in buying an RV? You all can go check it out right now and see if you want to buy it. I don't need it anymore since my wife left me. Just check out the inside of the RV, man. Uh, nah, we don't need one. We're good, I said with a visible threatening tone. The man seemed to notice this and he walked away again. The man ended up leaving a few hours before sunset, but the entire time that he was there... He just kept glancing at us. Mind you, the man had his RV about 50 yards away from us and I noticed that he had a restroom right next to his RV too. So why did he make any effort in walking all the way over to our campsite just to use our restroom? Also, why did he even use ours if RVs come with restrooms installed in them, right? Whatever the man wanted, we were just glad that we were about to enjoy the rest of our weekend without him. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I work in food service front of house. So in the early days of the pandemic with restaurants closed, I was taking work wherever I could find it. An old friend clued me into a medical office that needed someone to come in and do a bit of light filing and stuff like that. I was able to go in at night to limit direct contact with people, so I jumped at the opportunity right away. Ironically, the medical office job had been the safest gig that I'd been offered thus far, COVID-wise anyway. I wanted to avoid the bus if I could, due to crowds obviously, so decided to swing for a rideshare app. It's not all that expensive in my area and I really didn't want a virus. So I headed in at almost 3am because it was after the cleaning crew had left. I was kicking myself for being so cautious though because I was exhausted. I stumbled onto the block looking for my ride and to my tired self's great relief, the car spotted me almost immediately and pulled up asking Uber while I cluelessly wandered up and down the street searching. The ride was taking a while but... I'd only just moved here last year, so I'm not that familiar with all of the surrounding areas and thought nothing of it. I was pretty alert at first, so I was trying to pass the time playing games on my phone and stuff. But the car didn't have a compatible phone charger and I wasn't sure the building would have one either, so I wanted to save my battery to be able to call a ride back. I shut my phone down into airplane mode and eventually drifted off from a combination of tiredness and boredom. I don't often take ride shares, so being alone with a strange driver often did put me on edge, but this guy had a pretty boring car and a, a very standard look about him. He looked a little like my brother even, I think. Young, clean-kept, listening to jazz, nothing that screamed, you need to micromanage this trip. When we arrived, the driver tried to wake me up by calling to me from the front, but I was in too deep of a sleep and couldn't fully distinguish it from my dream. Finally, though, he awkwardly jimmied my leg to wake me up and kept saying, Ma'am, ma'am, we're here now. I was embarrassed that I'd been out of it, so I just gave a hurried thanks and booked it out of the car and into the building. But as I looked around, I began to realize that nothing was what I had expected of an office park. I had seen a street view of the building when I first looked up the business, and it had appeared to be a sort of strip mall plaza, and the further I went, the more loudly alarm bells were ringing in my gut. The structure was semi-dilapidated and it was pitch black dark past the entryway. I expected some lights to be off in the nighttime, of course, but not the whole building like this. I skidded across the concrete foundation comprising what was left of the lobby area, told myself that they must be renovating or something, and followed the signs for the stairs. After what felt like ages, but was likely just a few minutes, all I had passed was construction equipment, a couple of locked doors, and some smashed windows. I was certain that I was not going to find a medical office and figured that maybe I had mixed up the address or something. I took out my phone to double check, but once I got it out of the aeroplane mode, I could barely get a signal. 
I kept moving around in the building, pacing, looking for a stronger signal. I eventually confirmed in my text that I had written down the correct address just by scrolling back, which didn't require service, but since I'd only been inside for a few minutes at most, I figured that I should try and get in touch with the driver because if I entered the correct address, then it was only fair that he should continue my ride to the correct place and save me the added fees of calling a second trip, considering this was all his mix-up after all. The app was taking forever to load with my slow service, but before I could get to a cloud of reception, I heard a rustling sound in the lower level of the building. I was on the top floor and the only stairwell that I was aware of was the one that I had taken up, so it would force me into the middle of the building and there was no way to exit the situation without encountering whoever was downstairs. In an abandoned building in the latest hours of the night, I figured the chances were high that it was a tweaker, and I had no desire to try slipping past a tweaker, that was for sure, especially when it was late enough that they were probably on something, so jumpy and on edge. I tried to get a text out to a group of friends with my address and a request to call 911 to help get me off the property because I didn't feel safe walking in that neighborhood at night and didn't have enough reception to call a new ride too, but the message just wasn't sending. The reception was too weak. So I gave up on getting my phone going and started checking for another stairwell or even window with balconies or dumpsters that could be used to exit the second floor as a last resort in the event that whoever was downstairs came upstairs. I scrambled over to a door with a stair sign on it, but the stairs were completely dilapidated and it was essentially just a straight drop down to the first floor. At that point, the worst case scenario began to unfold because I heard whoever was downstairs begin making their way up the stairs. I thought fast and figured that based on the walk about the floor that it was basically a giant loop so what I would have to do is wait for whoever this was to come up the stairs, wait for them to come all the way in and then sprint the opposite direction of wherever they were going and try to get down the stairs and out of the building in time to make it to the road without encountering them. I was not anticipating being chased or anything but didn't want to anger off a druggie or have a homeless person who might be living there feel as though I'd trespassed and become hostile towards me or have any sort of interaction that could possibly occur at that hour in an abandoned industrial park like this. So I held my breath for what felt like five minutes I would guess but I was probably just close to 30 seconds and the person appeared at the top of the stairs. To my great relief too, it was just the Uber driver. I figured that he would have come back for me, realizing that he had left me in the wrong spot, a place that could have worked out to be dangerous. So I came out from the beam that I was hidden behind and started to wave him down. But then I processed that there was no way for him to realize that this had been the wrong address. And at that, my stomach lurched forward and my blood chilled to slush. I made eye contact with him very briefly and he was completely calm and composed, but breathing pretty heavily and blocking the stairwell down. On a normal, rational day as an outside observer, I could think of a dozen innocent reasons that he might have returned, but in that moment, standing across from him like that... I just knew in my gut that this was someone with ill intent. 
I can't remember much from the ensuing few minutes, but operating solely on muscle memory and instinct, I superman dove for the second stairwell's opening and just sort of let myself fall down the drop. Thankfully, I don't think that he saw where I'd gone at first, and though I was in too much pain to know it then, plenty was bruised, but nothing was completely broken, thankfully. I scrambled up and threw myself at anything that seemed like it could be the door. It was too dark to tell. I was so disorientated from the fall too and I wasn't in a calm enough mindset to think to use my phone flashlight. Plus, in hindsight, some part of me probably knew that it would call too much attention to my location. Just before I was able to reach the door though, it flew open with a blinding light beaming straight into my eyes. My first thought, though not totally coherent, was there's another one of these guys, and I stumbled backwards trying to find something to hide behind. But before I could, a voice called out. Alright, this is the police. Everyone get on your knees with your hands in the air. I didn't believe that it was the police at first. I was in such a fight or flight mode and had already committed to flight that I continued to look for ways to get out but he kept shining the flashlight right at me as I teetered around and yelled, Hey, I sat on the ground right now. Hands out, hands out where I can see them. He sounded so authoritative that I just sort of automatically did exactly as he asked. He approached me and finally shined the light away from me. It took a second to get my night vision, but once I did, I could see that he was really a police officer. First he started asking me all these questions and that combined with what had just happened and my fear of the driver coming back all snowballed into my being unable to form a single articulate sentence. He was even asking me questions like can you tell me your name? Do you have any knives, needles or anything that could poke or cut me? Would you rather talk in here or outside? And my totally stunned babbling and response at first led him to believe that I was on something. He directed me out to his car and once I was safely out of the building, I was able to start getting my bearings just a little. I sat on the edge of the back seat of the squad car with the door open facing out while he stood across from me and asked the same questions again. And the first thing that I could think to ask was, did my friends call you? What did they tell you? And he explained no, nobody called him. He was patrolling the area and noticed a car idling outside of this building that's known to be condemned and nobody's supposed to be inside and... When they're there, they're not up to no good. He was launching into a speech about how if I'd gone to shoot up or meet a John, that he had resources that he could direct me to, and that this was not an ideal place to do either of these things, and asking if I had somewhere safe to stay that night. But I was stuck on something else that he'd said. Finally, it all clicked. The car. I spilled my whole rideshare story in a frantic word vomit. He looked around and, unfortunately, the car wasn't there anymore. The officer guessed that the guy had driven off while we were talking inside the building and he asked me all the details that I remembered and I told him, but there weren't many. I'd been too tired when the ride started to track much, but the officer realized that I could pull up my Uber app and get all the information. There wasn't really enough reception there, even outdoors, so we quickly sped down the road and once I had enough bars, the app roared to life and I had four missed notifications from Uber. They said, hello, I've arrived and I don't see you, can you confirm the pickup address is correct and I'm flashing my hazards and finally, unfortunately, your driver had to cancel. 
At first I thought that the driver was so cunning as to pick me up while sending these fake messages and cancelling so the GPS wouldn't track us, knowing that I wouldn't notice because I was asleep with my phone off and exonerating himself. But instead I checked the car details, checked again and I noticed that it definitely was not the same driver. What I mean is that the person who had driven me here, they had not been my Uber. My driver was somewhere else on the street when this guy pulled up to get me. The police took my statement and said that they would keep an eye out for the guy, but the best that I could give them to go off of was basically young-looking Caucasian man with brown hair, sideburns, goatee, and four-door sedan, wearing a zip-up sweatshirt, but maybe had a hood, which is like one out of every four guys in this city. In the end, though, I feel very fortunate to have survived this near miss. Suffice it to say, too, I do not take rideshare services anymore. So this isn't my story, it's actually my dad's. Around 40 years ago, when my dad was still in college, he moved quite a ways from Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam to New Haven, Connecticut for college. He had already received the Form I-20 and went to the consular at the US Embassy to try and get an M student visa. He was a first-generation immigrant, and though he had taken a fair amount of English classes in Vietnam, he wasn't fluent and knew nothing about housing in America and all that stuff. This is why he went the cheap route and rented out an apartment somewhere near Pine Tree Drive in West Haven. His landlord, as he told me later, gave off some serious red flags though that he sort of brushed off because the apartment was only $250 a month. Now firstly, the landlord's abode was directly next door to that of my dad's and during his first night there, while he was getting unpacked, he heard a high-pitched screeching in a sort of weird opera music. Again, he brushed it off for the same reason I said earlier and also because he was very tired. The next morning when he awoke, he noticed a chair by his bed that wasn't there before though and when he went to the bathroom, his toilet seat was up though he recalled putting it down and not only that, his door was unlocked. He again brushed it off though because he didn't want to stir up anything with his landlord by asking if he had come into his room or by asking if he had been broken into, therein referring that the apartment was insecure. He also wanted to explore West Haven as his college year didn't begin until late August. He had come three weeks early and as he left, he specifically remembered locking his door behind him, but when he returned after a few hours out, he noticed that not only had the door been unlocked, but it was actually slightly ajar. This went on for weeks until his college year began, and things slightly moved from where he had left them, and articles of food were missing from his fridge, and other weird stuff like this. Finally though, my dad had had enough, and one night he decided to stay awake until very late and try to catch whoever was doing this red-handed. That night he finished his homework and then got into bed, but he laid there and just remained awake. And sure enough, at around two in the morning, he sees his door handle turning and a hand sliding through. My dad froze, his blood ran cold, and 
He then saw the landlord creep in and take some eggs from the fridge. But not only that, the landlord then went to the bathroom, coming out a couple of minutes afterwards, and he then slipped out once again, leaving the door unlocked. This creeped my dad out big time, which is understandable, right? But for some stupid reason, he still decided to stay at the apartment for a few more nights before he finally confronted the landlord. Money and wanting to save does some stupid things to the brain, I guess. But this was before mobile phones and even decent cameras that didn't cost like a hundred plus dollars. And so my dad had literally no way to get evidence to show to the cops besides mere accusations. The next night, he once again heard the odd screeching and weird opera music coming from his landlord's room and he decided to take matters into his own hands. That weekend, when his landlord went out shopping, he broke into his landlord's room and what he found there was seriously disturbing. First of all, he found some sort of weird sex doll, but when he investigated further, he found an old Kodak camera. And under this was some extremely low quality pictures of my dad in bed sleeping. Well, he noped out of there real quick, taking the pictures with him and went to the police station. He moved out of there shortly after and he later heard that this same landlord had scared other residents off the apartment after hearing the odd screeching and opera music and after seeing all of their things moved around like he did. The building my dad lived in was since torn down and my dad decided to just dorm at Sigma Chi. He had at first opted to stay away from fraternities because of the heavy partying and stuff like that but in the end he just decided to put up with it. We never knew what happened to the landlord only that he would be facing some prison time and I seriously hope that he was never allowed to be a landlord again because, man, that is creepy. When I was 13, my family moved into a home in a nice neighborhood in Tuscan, Arizona. It was a relatively new build, 2002, and was a part of a very nice subdivision. I lived in the house from the age of roughly 13 to 19, but there was a year in college dorms in the middle. No one had passed away in the house that I could find anyway, and overall, it didn't have any of those sort of haunted house red flags or anything. Also, for context... Although I am currently not very religious, I grew up in an extremely Christian religious family. So the entire time that I lived in this house, I had horrible nightmares to the point where I was scared to go to sleep. My parents would sort of play it off like it was nothing. My parents were on one side of the house and had their own bathroom. On my side of the house, it was just me and no one used my bathroom. And at night, I would hear the sink was on and the toilet was flushing but no one was ever in the bathroom when I looked and I tried to play it off like it was nothing. I would also hear scratching in the attic relatively frequently. My childhood house had a stray cat that lived in our attic so I quickly explained that away as likely some sort of an animal even though it was a newer house with a sealed attic and we never found any animals. I thought all of this was happening to me but eventually my mum and dad started talking about footsteps that they heard at night. My mum said that they would walk around the house but she didn't feel any negative energy so 
She thought that maybe it was an angel or deceased loved one protecting us. Insert eye roll here at the angel comment, but my dad said the footsteps happened every night. And I stayed awake one night and yeah, it sounded like someone shuffling through the house. Now, all of this seemed like pretty harmless activity until one night in my late teens. It was on this night that I woke up to find my bedroom door closed. I had a mirror on the back of my bedroom door and I always was afraid of seeing something in that mirror so I kept the door open and the hall light on. Everyone in the house knew about my obsession with keeping the door open and later when I asked about it, no one in my family said that they shut my door. Upon seeing the door shut though, I immediately panicked. I got out of bed, heart pounding and tried not to look in the mirror. I opened the door, took a deep breath and I walked back to my bed. I remember thinking something like, this is the part of the horror movie where I get attacked, right? And then I laid my head down on my bed. Now, I know this next part, people are going to call fake and say it didn't happen, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that this happened to me and I can't explain it to save my life. So the second that I laid down my head, it was like the covers were just pulled up over my face and someone was holding them down over my head. It honestly felt like hands were all over my body pinning me down and I felt like I was burning all over too and I could hear the sound of like firewood burning in my ears or something like that. I could also hear like something like laughing and I couldn't move and I felt like I was about to die. Regardless of your views on religion too, all I could think to do at the time was just pray. I don't know if I prayed out loud or really loud in my head or something, but I said something like, in the name of Jesus, stop, three times. I remember very specifically on the third time too, everything just all of a sudden evaporated. My house was quiet, there was nothing holding me down any longer, and I just ran. I bolted into my parents' room, covered in sweat and sobbing. My dad said that it was just a nightmare, but I got angry and yelled at him for not listening to me this time. I wouldn't go back into my room, and my mum took it a little more seriously, thankfully. The next day, she had the house uh, anointed, or whatever it's called, and prayed over. And after that, everything stopped. The footsteps, the nightmares, the toilet flushing, everything. We did eventually move out of that house and nothing like that ever happened again, thankfully. But it seems that everywhere I go since then, weird stuff still happens to me. Sort of periodically, but not at that scale, that's for sure. Like I said, I'm not super religious anymore, but this is one of those things that I just really can't explain. I can't offer any logical explanation for what happened. All I know is that it did. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs 
or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.